question before you just start off our our podcast for today. No, I haven't checked my butthole. <laughs> I have another question. To okay. Start off. You're like, fine, it's good. I came with two questions. Yeah. <laughs> I I just wanted to know, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior? Stevie Nicks. I have every moment to sit around and just talk about Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Our witchy wonder woman. Our patron saint of witchy shit. (laughs) Our favorite lady of Halloween times, of spooky vibes. Queen witch. Queen witch. Also, I mean, what better time to... Oh, yeah. We're bringing in all the spooky vibes. We're bringing it in. A little early. I don't no, give a fuck. No, no, this Not... is it. This is the perfect time. We just oh, yeah, had a no. full fucking moon last week. Oh, yeah. No, it's perfect like... timing for me and for us. Oh. But everybody else is like, Halloween doesn't start till October. Um, Halloween's always. To that, I say, have you checked your butthole? Yeah. Also, like... all of your Halloween spirit's probably up there. Yeah, it is. It is. Bring it out now. We're ready for it. Now's just the take, time. take like, that big old dump gets your spooky dump. Just take it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Just lay one out. Did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Welcome to Rock Candy, (laughs) your weekly podcast bringing you the tales and stories and sweet treats from the world of music, the sweet trick or treats that we're ready for now. Both. Both. Ready for it. Yeah. I mean, I already started eating Halloween candy. And not candy corn. Oh, no. Disgusting. Sorry, Lewis. (laughs) Gross. Not doing it. Not going to do it. We're your hosts. I'm Dan. I mean, Maggie. I'm Ashley. It wasn't even Dan Quayle. It was, G- it was George W., right? George H.W.? It was W. That's right. It was was it was Dana Carvey's George W. impression. Yeah. Going, he, Not going to do it. He barfed on somebody on like a world leader <laughs> at a dinner. <laughs> In like what, what 1989 party. or Probably. something? Probably we were like five. <laughs> the, the fact that I can re- retain that, but like, if you ask me what artist we talked about three weeks ago, yeah. I'm like, I don't even fucking. But I can know. quote Dana Carvey's stand-up special from like 1992. Yeah, because it was fucking hilarious, <laughs> and he was chopping broccoli. And anytime somebody says judicial system, I have to go in my head, judicial system every time. <laughs> Every time somebody talks about turtles, I'm like, turtle, turtle. Dana Carvey has just enmeshed himself into our brains, and we didn't even know it. We didn't know it. He's Is he in the CIA? Like I ha- hope so. At, as He is the master of disguise, is what he is. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. All right, no this more Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. This is about another lovely blonde. Indeed it is, but I got it. I got a special. (laughs) I got a special cider for this. Yes, you did. And like, I didn't even, I picked it up, didn't even realize it was perfect for our episode. I know. Um, But it was called Rattle the Chains from Stowe Cider. Yes. And it was really good. It was delightful. It was a dry hopped cider. I kind of like a nice dry hopped cider. I do too. As long as you don't boil the hops, it's not going to be bitter. Right. People we learned the trick. We learned it. We did it. And it was delightful. And I realized after looking at the the can for a long, long time that it was actually about fucking Frisbee golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because and, uh, the basket's a chain. Yeah. And like, fuck off with your fucking Frisbee golf. But like, it's a really good cider. We apparently have a Frisbee golf store. 
here in, in Troy. Troy. Yeah. And why? I'm like, why? How do you afford the rent for this? It's a large space. <laughs> How do you afford that? I don't. Do you? Is. There is no way. There's no way Frisbee Golf is that fucking popular. No. I refuse to believe it. I do too. In that I don't believe it. <laughs> Point is, yeah. Uh, but for us, it's uh, breaking the chain. Don't break the chain. Never break the chain. Not breaking that chain, bitch. Yeah. Stevie didn't do it. There's only one member of Fleetwood Mac that broke that chain. No. Actually, there were several. There were several. There were, I think everyone at one point. <laughs> quit for the like, band. Except for probably Mick. Except for, except for Mick and Mac. Mick yeah. and Mac. They, they pretty much stayed on through the whole thing because they yeah. just weather the storm no matter what. Like, all right, guess we're going to make some music now. They started it. They're going to end it. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I was going to do an episode on just the overall story of Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And then I realized that's too much. You ain't got time for that. <laughs> Nay, nobody got time for that. This this episode is restructured is going to be long enough. So mm. what I decided to do was more like our album review of episodes. Right. And I chose a bunch of Stevie's songs from her career from before Fleetwood Mac through her solo shit and decided to tell the stories of those songs and mm. like kind of have some kind of flow to her life her story her life yeah yeah so that's how we're gonna do it right we're gonna play some songs we're gonna tell you about it gonna give you stories gonna give you tidbits some trivia some fun shit and also a lot of bad shit and also <laughs> a lot of Lindsay fucking ham ah, so our favorite turd sack turd so. sack it's just a sack he of is turds. a sack of turds i i don't give a shit this yes, dude but, uh, is really a good. sack of he's tur- such a good he's guitarist a sack of he's turds the best guitarist he is a sack of turds um, with a guitar oh uh, he's a really good guitarist though <laughs> do you know he's good I, at guitar fine so are many people mm, but Lindsay buckingham boop Boop, boop, Lindsay Buckingham. Whatever. He, has, he is a great guitarist. Sure. He's but a great like, songwriter we're not also. Saying, we're not saying that his musical talents are not there. They are. But and he can still be a turd burglar. And I am definitely not saying that his musical talents outshine the absolutely abusive and horrible personality that, yeah. he, that he has. So there's that. Problematic. <laughs> a, a man in a classic rock band? Problematic? No, it's hard to believe. <gasps> this is unheard of. <laughs> so many people have just stopped listening. Yeah, so like, are I you don't... just going to complain about men again? We're like, yes. Yeah. Yes, we, yeah, are. we are. That's yeah. what we do. This, that's, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yes. Let's talk about Stevie Nicks first before we get into the problematic douchebags in her life. Yay. <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. So I did read uh, uh, a biography of hers that I didn't particularly care for. So honestly, I kind of just flipped through it and used what I needed to use. That's fair. And that was Gold Dust Woman, the biography of Stevie Nicks by Stephen Davis. And it was, it's fine. It is a factual account of yes. things that happened. It was with- really funny because I'm like, wait, why did not Stevie write it? I'm like, because it's not an autobiography. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I got there. 
took yeah. the local. Yeah. But I got there. But it's it's a fine book. It's very matter of fact. Yeah. And very like this is how Stevie felt about this. And it was like not introspective at all. Oh. And I'm like, this was written by a dude. Oh. Ugh. Okay. But it was fine. It gave you the information you it needed. It served its purpose which just fine. That's fine. Yeah. If you want the cold, hard facts about Stevie Nicks's feelings, <laughs> this is the book for you. Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. So let's get into her story, or some of her stories, some anyway. Little sprinkles. As we all know by now, we are, you and I, are Stevie Nick, Stevie Nicks stands. Yeah. Absolutely. We stand up. Stand front. Stand front. Stand front. Because we don't stand back. Yeah. We stand front. Exactly. Look, I'm a grandma and I'm really trying here, everyone. (laughs) And frankly, I don't care what you think of her. She is an actual force to be reckoned with. Mm. Talent bursts out of this woman's every orifice. Mm -hmm. And I am here to catch every single witchy vibe she wants to throw at us mere mortals. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows she got her start with Fleetwood Mac, the band that only let her join back in 1975 because they wanted her boyfriend, Lindsey Buckingham, in the band so badly. He's a really good guitarist. He's got nice hair. <laughs> he, he did have nice hair. He really hair. did. He yeah. was a good looking dude in the 70s. I will give it to him. Yeah. Not as good as Mick. Oh, yeah. No. I climb all over that Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. But what they didn't realize was that they tapped a songwriting gold mine when they hired Stevie. More like a songwriting gold dust woman. Ah, ah I did it. She would become famous for her mystical lyrics, beautiful piano melodies, and raspy vocals, almost as much as for her flowy dresses and sky-high platform boots. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to explore some highlights of her solo career, not just the hits, but some hidden gems and even a flop. Her story is definitely a roller coaster, but the soundtrack fucking slaps. Yeah, when am I gonna get the fucking biopic of Stevie Nicks? Um, probably never. Oh, and or at least not until she's dead. Oh, because she definitely holds the rights to her own story very, very close, Good and for wants her. the right people to do it. Lindsay Lohan was lobbying hard to buy the rights to her story, and. Stevie literally said, over my dead fucking body, will she get her hands on my life story? (laughs) Never going to happen. I'm very glad that that happened. But there is a part of me that feels a little bad for... Can you imagine, like, being Lindsay Lohan? Like, no, I could do this. I totally have this. And then this person you idolize is just like, oh, fuck no. And you're like, oh, I should really evaluate my life. (laughs) That should knock you down a few pegs. However, it did not make Lindsay Lohan reevaluate her life at all. I mean... She shoulda. I don't know what she's doing anymore. Maybe she did reevaluate her life. I mean, I'm hoping she's just chilling, like, in the Mediterranean on a yacht somewhere. Yeah, and like, just, like, that's the life. Have at she's it, She's corn in it. <laughs> she's got, got the, the life. life. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, let's go into the first song. Yeah. Which is... Oh, my God. Which is actually a song that she did when she was in Buckingham Nicks <laughs> before Fleetwood Mac, and you can't deal with the... the album cover no which is just... i really need everyone to stop right now i mean you can keep listening because th- this is a visual that i'm asking you but just google buckingham nicks and the picture that you get it's not even stevie it's just look 
It is Lindsay's, Stevie. No, I mean, look, it's like it's not Stevie. That's distracting. It's oh, Lindsay's it's Lindsay. fucking like come hither face and that caterpillar mustache. It oh. looks like two caterpillars just kissing his nostrils. <laughs> They're holding up his nose. <laughs> they are. Oh my god, it's it's amazing. Oh, okay, but listen, yeah, let's, to, this let's song. listen to this song. It's called "Crying in the Night." Yes. But Very like <laughs> slandering of this woman. Yeah, she's crazy. But she'll wreck your world. But you can hear a lot of the harmonies that they would bring into Fleetwood Mac, unlike oh. I Don't Want to Know and Secondhand News and stuff like that. So Very much. We don't hear a whole lot about Stevie's career before Fleetwood Mac, so I wanted to highlight at least one song from her time at Buckingham Knicks. <laughs> Yes, this is the band she and boyfriend and future Fleetwood Mac bandmate Lindsay Buckingham put together after moving to L.A. and getting a record contract and becoming huge rock stars. Mm. Except it didn't exactly happen that way. Mm-mm. First of all, the two met as high school seniors in, or she was a senior, he was a junior, excuse oh. me, in Palo Alto, California in the late 60s. But they didn't actually start dating for several years. Oh. They played in a psychedelic rock band called Fritz for a while, of which Stevie was the lead singer, but that project was abandoned when the duo moved to LA and started Buckingham Knicks. And the sexual tension was just electric. So much. Well, they were together by then, so, you know. You know. They released their one and only album, which was self-titled, but when the album failed to chart, Polydor Records dropped them. Why would no one want to buy that record? I don't know. Based on they're visuals both, alone. They're both topless on it. So, I mean, come on. Right? Maybe it was Lindsay's angry nipples staring at them that they just didn't <laughs> like. <laughs> Stevie took jobs waitressing and cleaning houses so Lindsay could work on his music. Is she not merciful? I mean, she is. So money was tight and relationship problems started boiling up. They may have been working odd jobs to make ends meet and subsisting on mac and cheese, but soon enough, a different kind of mac would make all of their dreams come true. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Is it the return Ooh, of the yeah. mac? <laughs> return of the mac once again. Actually, it's, this is the first time they're meeting him. Yeah. But also, <laughs> like... Mac and cheese has saved my life sometimes. Honestly, so. like, I will not look down on anyone for, like, mac and cheese dinners. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. So. That's the best dinner. So, yeah. Then Stevie and Lindsay joined Fleetwood Mac in 1975 and got to writing. And, like, Stevie already had songs that she wanted to bring in. And she was demoing stuff. And eventually that turned into Fleetwood Mac's second self-titled album yes and <laughs> which was actually like their sixth album 
I think it was their 10th album. Fuck! Seriously? Yeah. Look, I know we did an episode on Fleetwood Mac. Don't listen to it, please. I mean... (laughs) Listen to it with low expectations. Yeah. The audio was not great back then. Right. And we were just little babies. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. It was our second episode. But I think at this point they were they were already well established. And oh yeah. If they hadn't had ten by now, they were pretty fucking close. Mm. But yeah, so on this album comes Rhiannon, mm-hmm. which we will play right now. so good it is it's classic like yeah. you hear that those opening little like riffs and you're like oh yeah but can we talk about the cover of the album <laughs> is mick fleetwood on his knees on top of two pairs of sh- a pair of shoes yes. to look like he's very tiny when he's not yeah and i don't know who's standing next to him though. i don't even think that's anyone it might be him honestly oh maybe could be mm, could be trickery the trickery of the camera 1975 trickery <laughs> sorry stevie is a witch she is she made that cover happen mm-hmm. on the very last day of 1974 stevie and Lindsay joined fleetwood mac yes the new buckingham Knicks era of fleetwood mac began with the release of the band's second self-titled album in july 1975 this album included the Nick's pen song rhiannon mm. which would become one of stevie's most beloved songs oh yeah In these halcyon days of Fleetwood Mac, Stevie would often introduce Rhiannon by saying, this song is about an old Welsh witch. Yes. And it was. And she gained inspiration from a book called Triad by Mary Bartlett Leader about a woman named Bronwyn that was possessed by another woman named, of course, Rhiannon. Mm. And this book was not about an old Welsh witch at all. It wasn't until after she'd written the lyrics that Stevie realized the names in the book Reference the legend Rhiannon, who is a major figure in a historical collection collection of Welsh stories called Mabinachion. So, before, like, has Stevie always been into witchcraft and witchery and like into that vibe, or did she kind of adopt it as she got older? I don't think she was necessarily into like witchery. She was into like bohemian stuff. Yeah, because that was very like in at the yeah. time, especially she, in California. Yeah, she just liked you know velvet and like (laughs) fringe and you know flowers and lace and like all the bohemian kind of stuff Mm. i think you know she consciously made it witchier as like rumors started and i'll get into that a little bit okay so there was a conscious effort to push it a little bit further so after she found out about the mabinakian she started introducing the song that way that it's about the witch the song became a staple during fleetwood mac live shows usually in extended form with stevie going into full-on intense ass witch mode oh it's so good at this point she'd also been working with a clothing designer margie kent to develop 
her witchy bohemian look with the flowy dresses, shawls, oh. and platform boots that she would become known for. Oh, shit. So that was her, like, conscious effort of being like, everyone kind of already sees me like this, so I'm just going to fucking do it. Twirling around on stage, Chiffon whirling around, and the intensity of her vocals led Mick Fleetwood to liken Stevie's early performances of Rhiannon to an exorcism. Yeah. And there is a really, really great video mm. of them performing Rhiannon on Midnight Special, mm-hmm. which I want to play for you now because the ending is just fucking amazing. Even just listening to it. Yes. Like, you can hear it. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. We're going to play a little bit of that because, wow. Yeah. listen to more of that than than like the original (laughs) you get entranced by it it's so good her voice is amazing yeah and it's crazy to hear how different her voice is from between then and like the 80s after all the drug use yeah yeah it's it gets a little bit deeper as time goes on. I mean, your voice does get deeper as you it, age, it regardless. Does. But all the coke she snorted really didn't help. Oh, yeah. She doesn't have the range that she used no, to. No, definitely not. Physically impossible now. Yeah. It was probably physically impossible by, like, the mid-90s. <laughs> probably. But, uh, yeah, just, like, imagine that voice coming out of this tiny woman who's just going nuts on stage with, like, all this flowy fabric and, mm. like, twirling around and that hair... Yeah, can we bring back like the the curled it, out oh, bangs? It's, it's coming back. All right. My Instagram feed is just fucking full of it. All right. And I'm I, doing it. I wish I had longer hair so I could have that haircut because I love it. All right. I'm doing it. That's my, my next hairstyle. Give me the Stevie Nicks Rhiannon. <laughs> do it. No, I want it. <laughs> you do it. I want it. <laughs> Rhiannon was a really big hit for Fleetwood Mac, and that was followed up by Landslide, another Nick's composition that was a decent hit for the band. Mm. For a band that only let Stevie in because she was a package deal with Lindsay, she proved herself invaluable by giving them majorly important songs for their repertoire, and she got her stance in the band on lockdown. I'm surprised that Lindsay even like was into that kind of negotiation. What do you mean? I don't know. That that Lindsay would even say, well, I won't join the band unless my girlfriend joins the band. I mean, they they really wanted to do the duo thing. Mm. And I think he saw the value in 
having her in the band. Mm. So and he probably he was, thought she was a really good fit. Like yeah, he didn't I mean, want to leave probably, her behind. It might be like one of the few times like Lindsay. He wasn't a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. But also he probably actually saw her talent and was like, no, no, no. Trust me. Yeah. Want her here. Absolutely. She writes amazing songs and she has a ton of them. Yeah. And like hot take. She's better Christine McVie. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Christine McVie is bad. But if you're going to have like gun to my head, be like, which, it's not even gun to my head. Like you're going to be like, which, you know, Fleetwood Mac singer oh, is the Stevie. best. It's always going to be Stevie. Yeah. Like she, she didn't write Don't Stop. <laughs> first she of all. She didn't write Oh Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. My least favorite like songs on rumors are the Christine McVie ones. Yeah. I so. mean, she's. She's made some of my favorites, like Say You Will. Oh, yeah. Or that's Say That true. You Love Me, I'm sorry. Everywhere. Yeah. Hold Me. Mm. Those are great. Little Lies. That's yeah. a great. Yeah. Fuck. No, I get it. But, like, she fucked the lighting I guy. S- I s- <laughs> you know what's fucking hilarious? What? The book that I read for this refers to him as the lighting guy. <laughs> Like, that was a joke we made up in episode three, guys. Yeah, no, but it's true. But it's true. She he, fucked the lighting guy. It was like, Christine was in the midst of breaking up with the lighting guy and feeling the repercussions of that. It's like, like, I'm sorry, you have repercussions from breaking up with the, the lighting, lighting guy? <laughs> Not like your tumultuous divorce with John? I don't even know if those two were even, like, mentally present for their Marriage or divorce. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Ugh, whatever could you mean? No idea. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. So then rumors happened. Yes. And sort of on the rumors album, but not actually on the rumors album, mm. was Silver Springs. Yes. And this is one of my fucking favorites. And we're going to play it for you now. Yeah. Same intensity as that Rhiannon song. Yeah. You know what I really appreciate, especially on Rumors with Stevie, is that she kind of writes this song from two angles, right? She writes Mm -hmm. breakup songs about, I mean, I don't, not to steal your thunder, but the breakup Mm -hmm. with Lindsay. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, she writes Dreams, Mm -hmm. which is like, you want your freedom, you you want to go do your thing, whatever. Um, And then, like, also she'll write, like, landslide oh i guess it's not on rumors but like before that like it's like a landslide or it's like you know what like shit it's time to change it's time to go yeah i'm doing my own thing like i gotta move on i've been afraid of changing because i built my life around you yeah Yeah. and then like you also have like silver springs where it's like oh fuck you (laughs) go (laughs) fuck yourself like she she really runs the gamut of emotions yeah and like such a crazy breakup yeah and she's blatantly honest yeah about everything because she, uh, when she 
started in Fleetwood Mac. She started keeping a journal every day, and a lot of her lyrics ended up coming from her journal entries. Oh, shit. And she, even years after the fact, she would go back to, like, old journal entries and... Like she's like, I've got feelings. gold in here. I got it. Yeah, I got to like, mine it for all it's worth. She glean feelings from that and like bring it into new songs. So nice. So rumors was released on February fourth, nineteen seventy seven, and this album not only proved that Fleetwood Mac were hit makers, mm. but solidified their status as rock and roll royalty. Oh yeah. But behind the scenes, shit was falling apart. What? <laughs> Never. No. No. This isn't like rock and roll canon or anything at this point. During the recording of Rumors, Mick Fleetwood was divorcing his first wife. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think she was his second wife, uh, Jenny Boyd, for the first time. Oh, that's what you mean. Second wife for the first time. (laughs) Sure. I I think he was actually married before Jenny Boyd. All right. I can't remember. This fucking guy. This this fucking guy. guy. Uh, Christine McVie and John McVie were divorcing and Stevie and Lindsay were breaking up and Stevie ended their relationship sometime at the end of 1975 or early 1976 and shit got bitter and it came out in their songwriting. Oh, yeah. So she wrote Dreams and then Mm -hmm. he wrote Go Your Own Way in response Mm -hmm. and then she wrote Silver Springs in response to that. And then he didn't have a comeback, so he's like, fuck, we can't let Silver Springs be on this album because I have nothing to retaliate with. Basically, she'd gotten the name from a highway sign while traveling through Maryland, thinking a town named Silver Springs sounded like a beautiful place to live. It does. It then became this idea like, Silver Springs could have been us, but you playing? Oh! You know? Like, we could have been Silver Springs, Maybe if you, but then you were trifling ass hoe. Exactly. (laughs) This could have been us, but you play it. <laughs> you can feel the bitterness coming out in the lyrics. Time casts a spell on you, but you won't forget me. Mm-hmm. I'll follow you down till the sound of my voice will haunt you, which mm-hmm. is an amazing line. It is like... You'll never get away from the sound of the woman that loved you. It is oh, God. such a good, like, bitter but yeah. poignant breakup song. Bitter but intelligent. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah it's like... I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. But you're never going to fucking forget me. But I'm going me. to be the one that comes out on top because you're never going to forget me. Yeah. Like, I'm, I was it for you. Yeah. It's. I'll move on because I'm letting this all out now. Yeah. Like, I, I wrote, it's so eloquently petty. Yes. I love it. But like, you need that. Yes. Oh. And to force your ex, whom you've written this song about, to play guitar on this song in such a ma- it's such a massive flex. I can't stand it. It's more of a flex than when uh, um, poor Joe John McVie had to play a sweet bass line on <laughs> Christine McVie's about song about fucking guy. the lighting guy. <laughs> I never believed in miracles. Yeah. But now I do. You make love and fun. Hey, ex-husband, can you play a sweet bass line on this song (laughs) about how the lighting guy makes loving fun? Oh, my God. Like, I'm just mad. The the fucking eloquent pettiness Mm -hmm. of rumors Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Eloquently petty. Love it. And then John McVie gets them all with that sweet bass line on the chain. He's the one that like, brings them all together. Like, guys, we still have to play music together. Come guys, on. Guys, 
We're going to make so much fucking money. He's Do you just know like, how much Coke we're going to buy? He's just like, hey, guys, guys. They're like, shit, shit, shit. We got to keep doing this. That's the call that comes over the loudspeaker in the studio, like calling everyone like the Batman signal back to the studio to record. Instead of like calling 15, it's like, damn. Shit, shit, shit. John, he's calling us. Let's get on that boat, man. Ultimately, Silver Springs was not included on rumors, instead relegated to the B-side to go your own way, which I kind of feel like is Mick's like, way of being like, okay, Stevie, calm down. You're going to be the B-side to, to Lindsay's response to your response. Got it? Again, stealing your thunder. Exactly. But like, no, no, I'm stealing your thunder. But like, isn't he fucking Stevie at this point? No, not yet. All right. Stevie was deeply hurt and upset by by its exclusion. Mm. She was super proud of it, but for various reasons, including its length and slower tempo, Mick didn't want it on the album. And the ripple effects of its exclusion would be felt for decades. Oh, shit. I was going to say, for what it's worth, I do feel like the album is a perfect album. It and is. And I don't know if Silver Springs would have fit on that album. It's too much for Rumors. It is. Rumors is extra to begin with. Yes. But, like, Silver Springs would have, like, tipped it over. Like, people, as soon as the, like, beginning chords started, bring, bring, immediate bring, nut. Bring. Just immediate <laughs> nut. And then they wouldn't be able to listen to the rest of it. So I get it. I get, I get it. it. It's too much it. nut for one album. <laughs> In 19- I ran out of nut. <laughs> I ran out of nut. I can't listen to the rest of <laughs> Thousands of people haven't heard the second half of rumors because they just nutted at the end of the first. <laughs> Too much nuts. I've never even flipped the record over. I can't. I keep running out of nut. <laughs> <sighs> uh, okay. Okay. Sorry. In 1990, Fleetwood Mac ended their tour for their album Behind the Mask. And Stevie prepared to release her solo release her solo greatest hits album Time Space. Mm. She asked Mick if she could include Silver Springs on it. I don't know why she had to ask him, but she did. I think there's probably some interest in copyright oh, over I'm the sure. fact that everyone performed on it. Maybe? So it's like a quote unquote Fleetwood Mac song, even though it's a Stevie Nicks song. Uh, maybe I, I got don't know. Nothing. They would credit each individual songwriter. Mm. He refused. Because he had plans to release it on a forthcoming Fleetwood Mac box set. Okay. This caused such an uproar that Stevie quit the band for several years. Mm. She eventually returned and the live version of Silver Springs from the album The Dance was nominated for a Grammy 21 years after it was originally recorded. Yo, I remember when that, I guess, quote unquote came out. Do you remember, like, they had, like, the live show yeah my dad was really into it so have you seen their performance of this yes do you remember like towards the end when she was like i'll follow you down to the sound of my voice will haunt you she was like she turned her head and the microphone and sang to Lindsay. it was like boring her eyeballs i don't think i remember that oh god go watch it it's amazing (laughs) like 21 years later and she still wants to fucking murder him i love it you know what good for her she didn't run out of nut (laughs) she she still had mick to fuck so yeah didn't run out of nut No. Speaking of which, the next song we're going to listen to (laughs) is Storms off of their album, Tusk. (laughs) 
about that one it's very pretty but also very sad yeah very very sad bit of a downer (laughs) at the time storms was written and recorded everyone in fleetwood mac was going through some shit because everyone in fleetwood mac is always going through shit at Mm. all times Mm -hmm. and they all fucking hate each other but they're all fucking each other too yeah guys (laughs) or friends come on rumors was selling millions of copies and the coke and cognac was flowing but personally, it was garbage. Mick was re-divorcing his first and second wife, Jenny Boyd, or second and third wife, Jenny Boyd. <laughs> wait, wait. So he got, they got divorced before rumors, and got then remarried. Got back together and, and then, then divorced. re-divorced in the same year they got remarried. This is so much. Just don't get remarried. Just stop. Just stop it. So yeah, along with that, Christine was breaking up with the lighting guy. <laughs> And Stevie's love life was complicated, to say the least. Mm. She'd been seeing Don Henley of the Eagles, but their (sighs) relationship was weird. Well, yeah. This all checks. (laughs) You said Don Henley. Don Henley. He's just weird. Mm. They both had insane touring schedules, so they rarely saw each other. However, sometime in 1977 or 78, Stevie got pregnant with their child. It was really terrible timing, and she never wanted children to begin with, Mm -hmm. so she made the decision to have an abortion. And her relationship with Don Henley eventually dissolved, but at the same time, she and Mick Fleetwood started their infamous affair. Yes. Their affair was short, but disastrous for everybody involved. (laughs) It's what is was it the coke, the cognac, the hormones, everything? Everything. Everything. The loneliness, the tragedy. All of it. Great. Yeah. Great, great. It started after a show in New Zealand in 1977, and although they tried to keep it secret, it didn't stick. Weird. Hmm. I'm so surprised that, like, a whole band of, like, incredibly intimate people all are very well aware what everyone's doing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone's cheating on everybody else anyway. Yeah. It contributed to... Certainly to Mick's second divorce from Jenny Boyd, not to mention tension between Stevie and Jenny, who were practically sisters. Oh, And of course, tension brewed between Mick and Lindsay. Whatever, Lindsay has no fucking claim anymore. But he's still a sack of turds. <laughs> but he's a really good guitarist. <laughs> 
I don't care if you're really good at playing guitar with your shit fingers. You're, you still have shit fingers. <laughs> Sorry. Stevie ended the affair in 1978, not long after it began. The F. Mac album Tusk was released in 1979 and featured a couple Stevie songs centered around this affair. Mm-hmm. Sarah is the most famous, named after Stevie's friend Sarah Recor, that Mick started dating shortly after their breakup, mm. and possibly about the child she could have had with Don Henley that she allegedly would have named Sarah. Mm. But lesser known than Sarah is the song Storms. Okay. I personally think that Storms is a superior song. Ooh, I, mm. I think it mm. is. Hot take. Hot take. But Sarah. But Sarah. Sarah's a good song. Sarah's a great song. It's great, but... It's a great song, even. You really need to, like, sit in a darkened room with headphones on and listen to Storms because, ouch. Okay. All right. Ouchies. It's an ouchies of a song. It's quiet and measured with an intensity that's almost unnerving. It's hard to determine if this is about Don Henley or Mick Fleetwood or both. Mm. Either way, it's about a relationship that wasn't meant to be. Though the writer still wants the other to be happy. She calls him my friend, which makes me think it's Mick. Mick. I, I would assume Mick. But I, th- I honestly think this song is about Mick. I feel like even though she might have been with Don Henley longer, she's probably more connected to Mick. Because she's with him all the time. Yeah. And not with Don Henley. Yeah. All the time. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she calls this person my friend. But the lyrics about not dealing with the road reminds me of her and Don constantly being on separate tours. Mm, So it's probably about both. Yeah. At the end, she also says, I loved you from the start. Not all the prayers in the world could save us, which to me points to Mick. Yeah. Because everybody was pissed that they they were having this affair. So like not all the prayers in the world could save them. Yeah. Nobody, nobody in Fleetwood Mac should be dating anybody in Fleetwood Mac. No. And they all knew that. They're yeah. all like, what are you doing? What do you, what do you do? We just, no. Yeah. No. No. It's very well that the song could be about both. Everybody fucking everybody. Everybody be fucking everybody in this story. Honestly. But the genuine emotion is what gets me in the song. You can say whatever you want about Stevie Nicks, but girl fucking feels it when she sings. And you feel it when she sings. Yes. The bittersweet emotion in Stevie's voice is palpable, mm. and it's almost like she could burst into tears at any moment, and you can absolutely hear that. And that is how you sell a star-crossed lover's theme song. Oh, It's so good. Yeah. Just listen towards the end. Like, she's, like, on the verge of tears. I appreciate, too, that it's called Storms, which does make me think it's about both of them. Right. Because Storms, it's multiple. She had a lot of storms going on at that time. <laughs> if men yeah. were storms, storms. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's my TED talk. Men men's be weathering. <laughs> men's be weathering. The men's be weathering. <laughs> There's a lot of weathering going on with these men's out here. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Seriously though. And also Lindsay's just a bag of turds. So now we're going to move on to some of her solo stuff. Solo Stevie. Solo Stevie. And the first one we're going to listen to is probably her most famous solo effort. Might be her most famous thing ever. Indeed. Edge of 17.
I'm just mesmerized by this video. Yo, I want that dress. I want all the dresses in this video. Like her white dress. But also there was a creepy Gorge. scene of her laying on a couch with dolls. And there was like a picture of her and some gentleman. You know who that gentleman was? No. Her brother. <laughs> that was it. her brother Christopher Nix. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, this wouldn't be the this wouldn't be the last time he would show up in one of her videos. It will we we can talk about that when it comes up. I'm oh so excited. Boy, oy, 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 oy. All right. So Edge of Seventeen is arguably Stevie's most notable solo single. Even forty years after its release, it's still everywhere. everywhere. Radio, commercials, doctor's office, waiting rooms, sports bars, and who could forget that Waddy Wachtel's guitar riff as the main hook in Destiny's Child's Booty Bootylicious. Bootylicious. I don't I think d- you're ready. I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm definitely not. Can you handle this? Yeah. I don't think I'm, you can handle this. I can't handle any of it. I need a nap. I, I need a nap. You know what? I'm all at a nut. <laughs> can't handle it. But Stevie's debut album, Belladonna, is much more than just a riff you can shake your ass to. <laughs> there was some deep and heavy emotional turmoil happening in this woman's life that she needed to get on tape. Now, she did this in like the very early 80s. I believe Belladonna came out in 1980. She started working on it uh, in 1979. Okay, so like right after Tusk, she's like, I'm going to kind of go off and do a little bit of my own thing. Actually, didn't Tusk come out in 1980? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't remember. I think Belladonna came out, like, right after Tusk, I think. Okay. Yeah. Most of the songs on this album were written during her time with Fleetwood Mac, including After the Glitter Fades, which deals with her disillusionment with the fame she found as part of a famous rock band. Mm-hmm. And Stevie joined Fleetwood Mac in 75 and was immediately tossed into the spotlight. Five years on, she was ready to show the world that she could what she could do on her own. Mm. She wanted to call all of the shots herself for once, which you can't really do in a band with five songwriters. No. In 1981, she told Us Magazine, You're very protected and dependent. For so long, you're not allowed to make your own decisions that suddenly you don't want to anymore. Doing my solo album was the only step I could take to show I still had control. Yeah. I understand that. Seriously. And I actually always figured that there was a part, at least in terms of like other record execs or managers, that saw Stevie as like, everyone in Fleetwood Mac is extremely talented, but Stevie is kind of like what you think of when you hear Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I don't think anyone was really pushing her to go solo. I think it was- I think it was more her just having all of this material that she couldn't put on yeah. Fleetwood Mac albums because it just didn't fit or right. there were there were five four other people that wanted songs on it too. So Yeah, no that's that's very fair. It's just it's interesting to me that nobody was like, I could make money off this. I yeah. could exploit this. <laughs> I mean, that's, but also, there's that's no great. John Lovitz <laughs> character. And I'm reaping the, the benefits. benefits. <laughs> no, I mean, that's also awesome. I'm glad that that was a decision that she yeah. made on her own. And considering how, like, constantly fucked up on Coke and Cognac she was, yeah, I'm right? surprised she didn't fall prey to anybody who was like that. But I think she had enough people watching out for her. Yeah. And despite, like, Lindsay being a dickbag most of the time, like, he he did, like, look out for her. Mm. 
At least back then. Yeah. And she looked out for her bandmates, too. Yeah. So. They were still a family. A fucked up family. Fucked up. But a belief. family. <laughs> so she began working on Belladonna in 1979 in between recording sessions for Fleetwood Mac's album Tusk. Okay. Yes. It was a lot of work, but she pulled it off yeah. and started full-fledged recording sessions after touring for Tusk ended in September 1980. Cool. Her first choice made was to bring in Jimmy Iovine to produce, a choice aided by the fact that they were dating at the time. Uh, I do remember this uh, from uh, The Great Ones. I think that was that documentary series on HBO mm-hmm. with him and Dr. Dre. And he talks about like, oh yeah, when Stevie went solo. Oh. But aside from Jimmy Iovine and Wadi Wachtel, Stevie called on her vast network of musician friends to guest on her first solo effort. Roy Bitten, or Bitten, Bitten. Not, not really sure how to say it, whatever, I don't care. Pianist for the E Street Band. Nice. Dan Dugmore, and of course, Don Henley and Tom Petty all appear on the album. And it was Tom Petty and his wife Jane that were one of the inspirations for Edge of Seventeen. Oh, yeah. No shit. Tom, Jane, and Stevie were very close friends. And one evening, Jane told Stevie how she and Tom met. And Jane had a very strong Southern accent. So when she said they met at the age of 17, oh my Stevie God. thought she said the edge of 17. I love it. She liked the phrase so much that she told Jane she was going to use it in a song and give her the credit. Oh, so the song is partially inspired by Tom and Jane's love story, but also death at the same time. Huh. John Lennon and Stevie's uncle Jonathan both died in the same week in 1980, and wow. it deeply affected her. The white-winged dove symbolizes the spirit leaving the body at the time of death. Even though she'd apparently never heard the sound of a dove makes until very recently, as oh. in 2020. Oh. She's one of the few musicians I know of that successfully incorporated a bird call imitation into a song and made it sound pretty accurate. That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yes. Fucking queen. Yeah. And <laughs> apparently she like got the first line, got the lines like. Sings just a song. like the white wing yeah. dove. Just like the white wing dove sings a song. Sounds like she's singing hoo hoo hoo. Who? She apparently got that from, like, a menu that had that written on it. So she, like, took it and made it the main melody. What the fuck is this hodgepodge-ass song? I love it. Holy shit. A lot of her songs are fucking hodgepodge bullshit. But, like, to find out the meaning on this one is delightful. Mm -hmm. It's just all over the fucking place. Absolutely. And I just want to touch on one more thing before we quit Edge of Seventeen. Mm. It's the backing vocals. Yes. What really makes the song sing, literally, are the backing vocals. Sing song sounds like she's singing. Ooh. Baby. Ooh. Sing. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she just brought in literal birds. No. <laughs> Stevie brought in her longtime friends, Sharon Solani and Lori Petty, who would eventually become a Nix herself when she married Stevie's brother, Chris. <laughs> and she could not have picked two more complimentary voices for her music. Mm-hmm. These two women were instrumental in making Stevie's solo career successful. 
Not only did they offer moral support as close friends, but they remained loyal to the singer throughout her career and vice versa. Hmm. They have been Stevie's backup vocalists since 1979 and continue to today. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And one of them is her sister-in-law. That's super nice. This is really sweet. Yeah. I like this. It's like a family story. But like they're not (laughs) fucking, which is great. Thank God. Somebody's got to be platonic around here. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to be platonic around here. The Fleetwood Mac story. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone. Bueller? No. All right. All right. (laughs) So the next song we're going to go to is probably her second most famous solo song. Stand Back. Stevie. So peak Stevie. She looks a fucking amazing. <laughs> like, okay. These if backup you, dancers. If you have never seen the video, the mu- official music video of Stand Back, go watch it and look at these fucking beat it motherfuckers oh, dancing in the background. <laughs> They're fabulous. <laughs> amazing. So many poofy pleated pants. Poofy pleated pants. <laughs> Please don't tell me that that is her brother she's dancing with. Oh, no, I don't think oh, so. good, good. I don't think so. You said so. he was coming back, and I'm like, I hope this <laughs> wasn't was he, how he came back. Not yet. We're still ramping up to that. Oh, okay. So I think you're going to really love the story behind this song. I bet I will. You're going to love it. All right. But I included this song because its origin story is completely different than others that we're talking about. Mm. Stevie wrote The Bones of Stand Back on January 29th, 1983, the day of her marriage to Kim Anderson. Oh. Who is Kim Anderson? Who is Kim Anderson? Glad you asked. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) Kim was the husband of Stevie's best friend, Robin Snyder Anderson. The night before the release of Belladonna, Robin told Stevie that she had been diagnosed with leukemia and her doctors only gave her three months to live. This woman is Stevie's absolute best friend. On top of that, she was pregnant. Pregnant. She lived long enough to deliver baby Matthew, but died shortly after giving birth. Holy shit. Yeah. In their grief, Stevie and Kim married because they didn't know how else to move on. All right. Stevie also felt an obligation to raise Matthew, even though she decided long ago that she was never going to have a traditional family life. Right. But on the day they got married, on the way to their honeymoon, Stevie heard Prince's little red Corvette and got that earworm firmly stuck in her brain. Oh, shit. From that, she started humming a new melody. 
She made Kim pull over so she could buy a recorder, and in no time she had the bones of Stan back recorded. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to love it even more. Hold oh, on. goodness. Back in the studio, she called up Prince to tell him she made this melody based on Little Red Corvette. Just oh. called him up. Like, She's like, hey, Prince, hey, what's Prince. up? <laughs> Just want to say. She gushed over the lush synthesizers on the track, and Prince was all like, okay, baby, let's do this. <gasps> he swept into the studio, laid out some synth tracks and that sweet, funky guitar riff, and then floated away like a dream. And then disappeared, because Just, that's what Prince does. He disappears. He's there, and then he's not. Yeah. His contributions to the song remain uncredited, but once you know that his fingerprints are all over that crime scene, you're like, oh yeah, this makes so much sense. Fingerprints? His, his, his fingerprints? No, thank are... you. Fingerprints. What? Fingerprints? Fingerprints? Fingerprints. <laughs> Do you not know the have, Animaniacs have... bit? <laughs> no. <gasps> what? Girl, that's a meme. Oh, I, I didn't show you. see that I'll one. I'll show you. And that was from so long ago, I don't remember. The point is, I'm not, I don't need to fingerprints. No, thank you. Yeah. Once you say that, that guitar part, port, the guitar port, the guitar port, <laughs> but honestly, that guitar part, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yup. And fun fact, if you haven't listened to our episode on Purple Rain, yeah, Prince later asked Stevie to write the lyrics to his opus, Purple Rain, yes. which she turned down because she was so overwhelmed by how epic the music was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. She was thoroughly intimidated and could not do it. She's like, I I want to help you, like, but I can't. This is something you have to do on your own, baby. Yeah. yeah. She just grabbed him by the hands and then she disappeared. <laughs> but now she twirled away. Who the fuck like, am I kidding? Thanks for your help on Sam back. Okay, bye. bye. And then twirled into the mist. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking musicians. Yeah. So now we're going to get into a- another song. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, so, boy. The video for this one is... is it's fun. You should definitely watch it's, it. It's fun. So this is I Can't Wait. It's not new shoes. It's Stevie Nicks. F- funny you mentioned that, but yes, it's oh, not. Okay. okay. I can't wait. I have a valid question. So many. I have. Yeah. So many. How much cocaine? At this point, how much cocaine is Stevie doing an hour? The hole in her nose is getting much bigger. Like at this point. At this point. Yes. Because just to watch her. Like homegirl like is moving while she's moving. Yeah. She's moving within moves. (laughs) Like I don't think you need to watch this video. With like the wide eyed 
glassy glare of somebody who did not blink once (laughs) not once (laughs) she's just and i'm like she's making me uncomfortable yeah with how much cocaine she is clearly doing now so much she could not wait for her next bump (laughs) that's what the song's about isn't it Uh, let me read my notes notes. so i didn't include this song on my list because it's a great song because it's not oh i kind of like it (laughs) but i don't think i like it for the right reasons it's it's way too spazzy for me it's way too like i'm on coke and this is a song i wrote on coke i think that's why i like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i actually included it as an example of where stevie goes wrong oh no this song was the second single off her solo album, Rock a Little, released just in... Just a little. Just, just a little bit. Just a touch. A little bit. A little bit. Released in 1985. She once again brought in Jimmy Iovine to produce, but he wouldn't stick it out, claiming he didn't like the direction Stevie wanted to take the album in. It was then that everyone found out they'd had a love affair, so that could have had something to do with it, too. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure that definitely had something to do with yeah. it. Yeah. So she wrote this song in one night after her longtime musician friend Rick Knowles played the music for her. Okay. They immediately went into the studio to record it, and she did the vocals in one take. She was beyond jazzed about this track, and honestly, I don't know if it was because of the music or because of all the drugs she was on. I I have a guess. I'm going to go with drugs. Probably. You probably white. Probably. <laughs> The influence of drugs can be seen all over this song in its music video. <laughs> if you listen to the whole song, it's basically a lot of Stevie yelling in a voice so raspy it gives out at times. Yeah. She's attempting to do runs, but it's far more jarring than impressive. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's She was trying just way too hard and she was just so, it's frantic. Yeah. You the kind song of just want to like, so grab frantic. her and hug her and just go, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. Shh. Take a rest. Take it out. It's okay. It's okay. Breathe. Yep. Breathe. No, not like that. Breathe. (laughs) No. Breathe air, not coke. (laughs) And the music video is a sight to behold. Oh, boy. It's over four minutes of Stevie endlessly stomping up and down (laughs) stairs, flanked by her two backup singers, her brother Chris and another guy I don't know. Oh. I actually think the other guy might be the same actor who's the main guy in her video for Rooms on Fire. Oh, you know what? You might be right. Also looks exactly like Edmure Tully, and I had to Google it to mm. make sure it wasn't the same actor. Is not. Dude would have been way too old at this point to play Edmure Tully. You uh you definitely went down a weird rabbit hole. That was there. a uh, that was a hard rabbit hole to go down because nobody credited actors in no. music videos. Not back then. <laughs> Not back then. I think they do now, but But I do this for this podcast. You're welcome. Because you want to know these things. I did. I assume. I I figured you would. Yeah. yeah I'm somebody grateful. wants to know. I want to know. It was me. Hit me. <laughs> So, yeah, she's in this video swishing around in her flowy dresses, doing her witchy thing in a very stark backlit 80s studio space. Yes. That's intercut with close-ups of her singing to the camera. And boy, does she look cray-cray. Ooh, super. And I don't know if you noticed. You definitely noticed it. But you might notice this, like, weird, behatted dude just, like, striking weird poses and stuff. 
It's Mick Fleetwood. I was going <laughs> to ask because he's so tall yeah. and awkward. Yeah. And he's I was just like, like, is that Mick Fleetwood? Doing all of these super weird, like, silly dance, like, grandpa dance moves. It's adorable. All right. Sure. Because why not? Why not? It's crazy enough. Why not have a coked up Mick Fleetwood doing weird dances in your video, too? Sure. This is a coke fever dream. It really is. Yes. That entire video is a coke fever dream. All right. And yeah, she was absolutely hopped up on drugs in the video, which she 100% regrets. Oh. Looking back on it, she said, I look at that video, I look at my eyes, and I say to myself, could you have laid off the pot, the coke, the tequila for three days so you could have had looked a little better? It just makes me want to go back into that video and stab myself. Oh. It's not that bad, Stevie. It's, it's not stabbable. It's still fun. I think it's slappable, but not stabbable. <laughs> yeah. Don't kill yourself over it. Just like knock some sense into yourself. Exactly. That's all. Rock a Little was successful. However, it got plenty of mixed reviews and didn't fare as well as her previous albums. Right before embarking on the Rock a Little tour, she had an infamous visit to a plastic surgeon who told her she'd snorted so much coke that she burned a hole in her nose. I still, like, to this day... Blows my mind. Clearly blew hers. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously. How How do you do that? How? How much coke... How much coke is too much coke? Uh, that that is too much. What <laughs> how Stevie Nicks is take? too much coke. How much how much coke does it take to? Blow I don't a think she can even answer that. I don't even think she can fucking answer that. Not at all. He told her that the next time she took a hit, she could drop dead. So when the tour concluded, <sighs> she checked into the Betty Ford Clinic for a thirty day stint. Good. She came out clean and was determined to stay that way, but there was a definite fear that she might relapse. Of course. Friends encouraged her to go to a psychiatrist who prescribed her clonopin, a pretty uh, dumb fucking thing to do for someone who just got clean from a decade-long addiction to coke and alcohol, but fine. I guess this is what we're doing. That's a bad choice. In news surprising to no one, this sparked a nearly decade-long addiction to clonopin, and she would barely remember the next several years due to her dependence on that drug. Oh, no. You just traded one addiction for another. Now, at this point, she had divorced Kim, right? Oh, she divorced Kim three months after they got married. <laughs> and, like, both woke up when they were like, why are we doing this? Yeah, Grief she was is like, weird. She was like, we shouldn't. Nope. No, we should like, we should yeah, no, why did we do this? Yeah, that happened in 1983. Wow. And Rock a Little came out in 1985. Okay. But it clearly was like an amicable divorce where they're just like, this I believe was silly. so because like she eventually reunited with Matthew and paid for mm. his college tuition, which was really nice. That is really nice. So I think she stayed in contact with him. With Oh, she paid them. his $500 for four years <laughs> college tuition. That's really nice. From, you know, back in, you know, 1992. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was just millennial like bitterness coming through. Just a little bit. What's next? So the next one we're going to listen to is off of her next album, The Other Side of the Mirror. It's called Ghosts. And if you them were all that you had dreamed of, love was the thing. And you feel as if someone was following you. 
That's some classic, like, 80s, like, ballad. Like, ballad synth rock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really beautiful, introspective song about her own place in this world. Hmm. The last few years leading up to the recording of the album were insane. Yeah. She stopped one drug addiction and started another that was just as bad. The recording of Fleetwood Mac's Tango in the Night was fraught with tension. Oh, yeah. But it is a fucking, you know... Fleetwood Mac's best albums are always the ones where it's like the absolute worst dramatically. Yeah, the worst bullshit going on ever. Yeah. And But like for all of them, that creates musical genius. Yeah, I guess. Tango in the Night. That's a great album. Slaps. I'm going to say it's Capital great. S, slaps. But I mean, like she was barely there for the recording of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she sent the band demos while she was in the Betty Ford Center, and when she was actually in the studio, she kept blacking out when she was recording. Was it the clonopin? I bet it was the clonopin. And probably the effects of having, like, a hole from her nasal passage into her brain, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Speculation there. I'm no doctor. The recording of that album led to Lindsay quitting the band, but not before a physical confrontation with Stevie ensued. Yes. I was going to ask if this is when that happened. Yeah. I mean, I think it happened again later on also. Great. So, you know. Cool. Yeah. He's a, he's a great guitarist, though. <laughs> he's such a good guitarist, guys. But then the- He sub- beats women. Great guitarist, yeah. though. You can do so much with turd fingers. <laughs> then the subsequent tour for Tango in the Night was paused when she fell ill with chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh. Girl was running herself ragged, but she went back into the studio with producer and boyfriend Rupert Hine to record The Other Side of the Mirror. Have you ever seen a fucking picture of Rupert Hine? No. Am I going to be disappointed in what Stevie did? Oh, yeah. Like, take Mick Fleetwood and turn him into a caricature, and that is Rupert Hine. Stop. What is that mouth? What I don't know is that (laughs) mouth. It's not anything else. It's just the mouth. It's just mouth. It's like somebody took a finger and just pushed it on his nose and his face caved in a little bit. No, it's like someone like pressed down on his chin. You see what I mean? Like Oh yeah. And like pulled his face down with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like they were like not quite finished making this. I, just, I need a. I, I just can't. What can. is? What is it's it? It's the mouth. Cause here, fine, <laughs> fine, 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 totally fine. What? What? <laughs> what? What is this face? There's just so much chin. It's just that is not a soft chin. No, no, not at all. No. 
But yeah, she was going fucking hard. And I think the lyrics of Ghost reflect that in a way. (laughs) It harkens back to Landslide, one of Stevie's best known songs and one of the earliest she did with Fleetwood Mac. Like Landslide, Ghost is a reflection on being a woman of a certain age and being unsure of what the future holds. Girl, preach. Yeah, it's the ghost of what you really want, and it's the ghost of the past that you live in. It's the ghost of the future you are frightened of, so you look to your guardian angel. Mm. Even in her 40s, girl has no idea what she's doing or where she's going. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, we're not in our 40s yet, but like, I I can vibe with this. Yeah. And on the complete other side of the spectrum is long way to go. Oh. Yeah, that does feel. <laughs> it's a fucking jam. Oh no, it is. It it definitely I feel like encapsulates that feeling she has like I need to do everything right now. <laughs> Nothing yeah. will ever be over. Yeah. And that I feel seen. <laughs> but I mean, the fucking attitude in this song is Mwah, chef's kiss. Mm. I love this song for its sheer fuck you attitude. Normally, Stevie doesn't get this mean with her lyrics Mm. in her songs. She's cutting, sometimes biting, but here we get flippant sarcasm, and I'm here for it. This song is about the bitter end of a relationship. In particular, Stevie's relationship with Eagles guitarist Joe Walsh. Okay. Yes, she dated more than one Eagle. But where's Rupert? Rupert's gone. Wait, Jesus Christ. Like, Rupert was like... A flash in the pan. Kinda, yeah. She's like, that's just too much chin, Rupert. But also, at the same time she's dating Joe, they dated for like three years Wow. He was married the whole time. Oh. So, like, I'm confused about that. So, I don't I know. I have questions. I have so many questions. Anyway. I don't think you've given me any answers. You've just given me more questions. <laughs> You've given me questions that made me forget about the previous questions. I tried to answer as many as I could, but the timeline of romantic relationships is just impossible. Yo, just everybody be fucking everybody. Basically. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody be cheating on everybody. It's fine. And at this point, it's like polyamorism does exist, guys. You can do that. Yeah. Stevie says Joe was one of the great loves of her life. However, the foundation of their relationship was just a huge slab of coke. Is it? <laughs> Wait, but she wasn't doing coke anymore. No, this is this was written before this. Oh, it's 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 not a it's linear, not linear. It's oh, not linear, my oh, dear. Oh, okay. No, this is this. So Rupert wasn't even a fucking gleam in her eye at this point. I Betty Ford was not a gleam in her eye at this point. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> 
So both of them were heavily into drugs during their years together. So they were together from 1983 to 1986. I'm sorry, 1983 to 1986. Yeah. So she was still like in the throes of cocaine. Cocaine throws. Yeah. So yeah, they were heavily into the cokes and the cokes eventually ended them. Joe decided to leave Stevie sometime in the mid-80s, telling her friend and backup singer Sharon Solani that if he didn't leave, drug abuse would probably kill them both. I mean, and he ain't wrong. He's very much not wrong. So Joe left, but for at least a year, he kind of strung her along, Ugh. doing this back and forth dance between being together and breaking up. And one evening, after getting home in the wee hours of the morning, Stevie got a phone call. Joe know. wanted her to drive two and a half hours right then to come and see him. Was she on coke? Probably. Well, like, that's not a great time to drive, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Can it wait till the morning? I'm out of gas and you need a jacket. <laughs> She'd just gotten done recording Rock a Little and had the very first pressing of the album under her arm and wasn't in the mood to drive that far, but still hemmed and hawed about it. A friend was living her at the time and bounced the idea off them. Should she go? Her mm. friend was like, get a grip. Do you really want to start this shit up again? <laughs> but she decided to go when Joe sent a limousine to pick her up so she didn't have to drive. All right. Hold up. At I'm least- ready to change my mind now. <laughs> I'm all about he sent my a mind. limo? Well. Is there coke in the limo? <laughs> I mean... There's coke in every limo if you look hard enough. <laughs> Proverbs to live by. There's coke in every limo if you look hard enough. <laughs> anyway, so she went. She played the record for him. Things escalated and ended poorly. Mm. With Stevie telling Joe exactly what was on her mind, particularly... It's a really long way to go to say goodbye again. I thought we already did that. Have fun. Tell the world. Basically, fuck off. Good. Awesome. Did he send her back home in the limo? <laughs> yes. Excellent. Um, But those ended up becoming the lyrics to the chorus of this song. Nice. Yeah. All right. This is the absolute end of their union, and the breakup was quite hard on Stevie, especially because Joe kept that copy of her album... <gasps> What a piece of shit. She never forgave him for that. She didn't just cry all the way back home. She vowed to never let anyone do to her what Joe did again. She would never fall that hard in love with anybody. I mean, good for her. She's still a strong ass solitary woman. Right. Like, she's got her shit. She got it together. The other side of the mirror broke the top 10 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart and eventually Mm. went platinum Helped by Long Way to Go and the album's first single, Rooms on Fire. Oh, Rooms on Fire. You want to hear a great description of that. You should uh. listen to our friend Scott's Writer's Bagel Basket <laughs> when we were on for... Uh, the first uh, like music video uh, rundown. Extravaganza. Yeah, I picked that. Oh, God. God that fucking video is just... Chef's kiss. Beautiful. Love and by it. beautiful, I mean it is 80s trash. It's perfect. <laughs> she dances with a lamp. Yep, a that's lot. my favorite part. <laughs> she dances with the lamp. That's my favorite part. But Stevie's next album wouldn't even come close to the success of Mirror. Oh. And a little bit of 
the song Blue Denim from that album. Which is a fucking jam. It is. Yeah, I like the song. It got suggested to me once a couple years ago, and I was like, it's fucking Bob. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. And it's definitely a shining star on an album that's otherwise like not super great. Yeah. And it's like mostly a lot of, forgotten, honestly. a lot of brown. This is like the one like bright <laughs> spot in a lot of brown. Yeah, it's literally the blue spot. Blue spot in a brown, whole brown, brown, brown flat. Brown beautiful oh jesus (laughs) so stevie released street angel in 1994 five years after the other side of the mirror was released Mm. in that time she was deep into her dependency on clonopin and Mm. had a very publicized breakup with fleetwood mac yes she went into the studio with no new material to contribute so Uh. everything on the album were old songs reworked with the help of producer glenn johns oh Help is a nice way to put it. (laughs) According to Stevie, Glenn did more harm than good with her music. She was dissatisfied with his work on the album, but when she protested, she said she was basically told to shut up and deal with it. Cool. Yeah. She later went in and reworked as much as she could, Mm. but there was so much to change that eventually she got overwhelmed and couldn't do it all. I know that feel where you're just like, this is just a fucking mess. I'm going to put out yeah. whatever this is and we're going to just start from scratch the next yeah. time. Like all the musicians like Wadi Wachtel that she usually worked with, he was like, no, you don't need him. You don't need it. It's oh, what fine. a piece of shit. And she was like, no, I'm going to bring him in and help me. So like she did the best she could, but still wasn't wasn't great. Yeah. After recording was finished, Stevie went back into rehab for her clonopin addiction She came out clean and sober and ready to work, but her brain wasn't exactly on the same page. Hmm. And obviously this song is about Lindsey Buckingham. He has he's got blue eyes and whatever. I don't fucking care. (laughs) I actually didn't pick that up, but okay. (laughs) I mean, Stevie dated a lot of people. They all probably had blue eyes. I don't know. Mick Fleetwood had blue eyes. I don't know. Don Henley, blue eyes. Maybe. I don't know. Joe Walsh. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. That Rupert guy looked like his eyes were blue. Um, but she he, would have been like, had... long jaw, blue denim. <laughs> long jaw, blue denim. <laughs> that would have been the song about that I Rupert know. dude. Like, I feel like I've only seen black and white vid- or pictures of him, but I feel like he would have like the red eyes of an albino rabbit. Oh my God. I don't know why. I just, I look at him and I'm like, albino rabbit. <laughs> scary but also Weird. the fact that she still was singing songs about Lindsay is interesting yeah because like, I, like mean, I got nothing she had no new material but i feel like 
she had a a fucking song about Lindsay on every single album she put out. Yeah, I mean, you're always gonna she, have. She kept dipping into that well, and she had so Lindsay was just like That's a deep well, a deep well of material because mm. he, there's so much to write about. Because he was constantly a fucking asshole. Yeah, even when they were no longer dating, and they were just like in a band together. Yeah, he still was still a piece of always shit. always an asshole. So like, yeah. anytime he pissed her off. She could go back to her journals or her memories or whatever and like pull things from her memories and mm. experiences with him when they were together and put it together yeah. into a new song about how much he fucking sucks. So <laughs> she was constantly dipping into that well because he was constantly allowing her to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know what, though? He's a really good guitarist. <laughs> He's really good at guitar. He's really good at smushing them turd fingers on the neck of that guitar. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Can we... Okay, we're just going to go to the last song we're going to talk about. Okay. So this is Planets of the Universe off of her album, Trouble in Shangri-La. Does it go, here we are, the planets of the universe. <laughs> it's just the opening of Cosmos. <laughs> Love it. So I've never heard this song. No? This is great. It's beautiful. It's a fucking great song. I remember when this album came out and she was on, I think, TRL what? promoting it. And I was like, Stevie Nicks, why are you on TRL? <laughs> like, yeah, so fucking weird. No idea. So like I said, this was off of her 2001 album, Trouble in Shangri-La. Interesting thing is, even though it was released in the 2000s, the song was demoed during Fleetwood Mac's Rumors Days. Oh. It didn't make the cut and became yet another unfinished song in Stevie's massive vault of material. It's like, I guess I'll just pick another one. Yeah. Fast forward to the mid-90s. Stevie was still struggling to get over her clonopin addiction and was still reeling from the failure that was her last album, Street mm. Angel. She didn't know what to do with herself. She wanted to make a new record, but a severe bout of writer's block and had her stop dead in her tracks. Ugh, that sucks. She confided in good friend Tom Petty, whom she asked to help her out. He was like, girl, you got this. You're an amazing songwriter. You don't need me to help you. This was like the fire under her ass, her get a grip friend, if you will, resulting in the songs Trouble in Shangri-La and Love Is the opening and closing tracks of the album, respectively. Mm. Recording the album was interrupted for nine months when she reunited with, guess who? Don Henley? Lindsay Buckingham. (laughs) No, I wanted to, I didn't want to pick the obvious pick, even though you were telling me to do that. Lindsay fucking Buckingham to record a song for the Twister soundtrack. Oh, Okay. I don't. I love I the like, surprise oh, turned into okay. question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that just, was 
a journey just, in one word. That was the journey my brain went on. Like, oh, I know Twister. There was that, that song on there. <laughs> yeah. So they recorded a song for the Twister soundtrack, which led to, surprise, surprise, a very tumultuous Fleetwood Mac reunion. Mm-hmm. That then led to the live album The Dance, released in 1997. But The Dance is a fucking so amazingly good. solid live album. Also watch the the whole Yeah, the whole performance. Performance is mm. so good. So, of course, it was appropriate that she included Planets of the Universe on this album, as it was about Lindsay and Stevie's breakup that inspired so many songs before. <laughs> what? She included a song about Lindsay? Weird. No way. Like, hold on. Let me put this bucket in this well. I'm sure I got more to work with. <laughs> I got to go a little bit farther, but I'm sure there's some at the bottom. Though this yes. is this is a good, this this is a is good a bottom song. bitch. A solid bottom piece of bread to this delightful yeah. sandwich. Like, sometimes you're like, I don't like the bottom. And then you're like. It gets soggy. It's like, then you're no. like, oh, no, wait. This, this is a good heel piece of bread. Yeah. Holy shit. Because it's like some brioche. Ooh. Yeah, a little butter on it. Mm. Oh, fuck. I want buttered bread. Sometimes bread and butter is like the perfect snack. It's like all you fucking need. That's all you want. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway. It was a song that she'd return to time and time again, attempt to revive it with the help of different producers, but always failed to make it just right. She finally did so with the help of John Shanks. All those decades of waiting paid off as the result was a beautifully dark and intense song that captures the turmoil of one of the most famous relationships in rock and roll history. Hmm. And Planets of the Universe wouldn't be the last song about Lindsay Buckingham Stevie would release. No. And as big of a sack of turds the man is, <laughs> he has served as an indispensable muse to Stevie. That's not to give Lindsay any credit. <laughs> But in, but in fact, gives Stevie tons of credit. She has a deep well of inspiration, and the fact that she can dip into it over and over again and pull out masterpieces every time is unheard of talent. Honestly, yeah. She just, she still manages to take her experience in life and then just say- No matter how shitty they are. Yeah. and Or no matter how even like not shitty they are, yeah. no matter how great they are, she's like, hold on. Give me like five minutes. I'll be right back. Let me check my butthole for a second and I'll pull out a really fucking great song. My butthole is gold. Yeah, exactly. This woman still, after more than 50 years in rock and roll, Mm -hmm. as part of one of the biggest rock bands in history, with one of the most successful solo careers in history, Mm. who writes or co-writes all of her own music and music for others, and now is a two-time inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. She is still criminally underrated. Oh, yes. I don't give a flying fuck if you don't like her voice or think she's annoying for whatever reason. Why? Wait, uh? You cannot deny the talent she possesses. Fleetwood Mac would not be the band it is without her. Absolutely not. And she served as a muse to Don Henley, to Tom Petty. To Jimmy Iovine, mm-hmm. and in and in return, they served as muses to her. Exactly. Like, so if you want to fucking like jerk, if you want to like waste all your nut on those dudes, yeah, they wouldn't be what they were without Stevie. Absolutely not. If you want to run out of nut, run out of nut on Stevie. 
And to do all of this while consciously making the choice to put her career over family and children and to own that decision in the face of conservative adversity and to still be relevant today at Mm. 70 something years old. Show me who's better. Show me. You know, like whether you love her, you hate her. Miley Cyrus loves Stevie Nicks, works with her. Mm -hmm. Like in Miley Cyrus pretty still fucking relevant what fucking relevant pop star is working with lindsey buckingham right he's busy still making his own solo albums and probably beating his current woman he's with i mean for what it's worth for what it's worth stevie is not the only woman to have said yeah he has physically assaulted me there are other women not the and not the only dude to say that too Mm. like all of the male members that have been in Fleetwood Mac and around Fleetwood Mac are like, yeah, he's prone to violent outbursts and yeah. he beats people. Yeah. They've all confirmed the same things that Stevie has said. Yeah. So. And you know what? Like, respect the rest of Fleetwood Mac, too, definitely. You know, like, everybody has gone off and done their own thing or worked with other people and have been nothing but an amazing delight. Yeah. But I don't want to make this about Lindsay. No. Because the only thing that, the only positive thing that I can really take from Lindsay is that he served as a muse for Stevie. Of course, he did that by being a piece of shit. Right. But there are a lot of songs that she wrote that are about good memories of, you know, them before they joined Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. When things were really shitty, like money wise and financially, but... Mm -hmm. They still had, like, this, you know, incredible passion for music that they just wanted to create. Yeah, I mean, in general, with Stevie Nicks, she is just such an amazing storyteller. Yes, absolutely. She, you know, starting with Rhiannon, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like she took this story that she actually even misunderstood, but wove it into this beautiful song and this beautiful tale that even today... Everyone is like, yeah, Rhiannon. Timeless song. Absolutely. Fucking Edge of Seventeen. You have Destiny's Child sampling that fucking beautiful guitar part. Right. Granted, that was like 20 years ago at this point, too. But still. Oh, bitches like, still. Hold be, up. Bitches we, still love Destiny's we Child. still all love <laughs> Destiny's Child and Booty without, And without Destiny's Child, you would not have Queen Bee. Exactly. So, like, Yes. Stevie Nicks is a goddamn icon, and she has inspired so many fucking women. Yes. Like, she is, like, top-tier female rock star, and she fucking deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. She deserves to be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if, you know. She deserves to burn down the Rock and Roll (laughs) Hall of Fame. Please do. Can we do that? And And then in Applebee's. Dance naked around its fire with pentagrams and Black Phillip. I'm ready to live deliciously with Stevie Nicks and Black Phillip (laughs) around a burning Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, can that be the life that I live? Yeah. I want that. I'm uh, ready to corn that. (laughs) (laughs) That really is godding the life. Yep. Yep. All right. That's that is that is a perfect place to end. We got the life, girl. Thank you all for listening. We hope you all got the life yeah. out I of hope that every, story. I hope this like did her justice, but also everyone understood what I was saying. 
<laughs> um, Stevie Nicks is amazing. I'm pretty sure that was the moral of the story. Basically, like, it's it's just trying to tell her story through her songs. Yeah. Which just seems a little bit easier because it gives you points of reference yep. to talk about instead of just being like, uh, everything happened all at once. <laughs> oh, my God. Overwhelming. Yeah. Whiplash. Whiplash because of her roller coaster. Craziness. Also because of the fucking I can't wait video. <laughs> oh my God. Just so watch you, that video over and over again. Do yourself a favor. Watch that video. It's amazing. Also watch all of the stand back video because them beat it dancers are <laughs> amazing. The amazing. one with the beret. Yes. Amazing. Love so it. So good. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Yeah. It was a slightly longer one. I guess we're getting back to longer episodes. Here we are. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. And like Ashley said, learned something. And mm. if you didn't, whatever. I hope you laughed a little. Yeah. I hope this could take your mind off hope, of bullshit in the world. I hope you rocked a little. Mm. <laughs> mm. I hate you. Get out. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you enjoyed this, go check out other episodes we have. You can find them at rockcandypodcast.com. And over there we have links to our social medias and links to our Tee Public store. If you ever want to wear our swag, we have a very cool logo. We do. And so, we have- And we have other cool merch. So you should go over and check that out if you want to. That'd be nice. But you don't have to. You can also just keep listening. That's cool. Yeah. And you can do Patreon if you want to. If you want to. You don't have to. But if you feel like it, you get all these like fun little boner episodes. Yeah. And then eventually you get some stuff. Yeah. Eventually. (laughs) I'm looking at this bitch. I'm I'm looking at this bitch. I should just give you the shit. We're so sorry, everyone. We'll get to it. (laughs) Yeah, just give me the shit. I'll figure it out. I know. My guilt lies deep. (laughs) It will wake me up at 2 a.m. Like, I need to do this now. Deep as the minds of Moria. Honestly, guilt. it is. It is definitely. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't want to do any of that and all you want to do is just listen to our episodes, that's still fucking rad. And we super yeah. love you and appreciate you. Indeed. So thank you for that. And uh, next week, we're going to kick off Spoopy Month. So excited. Get fucking ready, bitches. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so buckle up for that. But uh, yeah. So until then. Party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you could raise the kids out there. Bye.